Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Speaking to his flock in the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon, we join Archbishop Alexander Sample as he reflects upon our faith, culture, and life in the church on The Voice of the Shepherd. Joining Archbishop Sample is your host, Dina Marie Hale. And now, The Voice of the Shepherd. Greetings and welcome to The Voice of the Shepherd. I'm your host, Dina Marie Hale, and along with Archbishop Alexander Sample, we are here to prepare ourselves for Christmas. Christmas is coming, so as we get just a few days up until the day of the Nativity, Archbishop, please open us in prayer. Indeed. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Heavenly Father, you, out of love for the world, sent your Son to us to save us to bring us purpose and meaning in our lives, to bring us the peace and the joy that only you can give as we come close now to welcoming him again in the celebration of Christmas. We ask you to open our hearts so that we may receive him with great joy and ever deeper into our hearts, into our homes, into our families. And Father, we ask you to be with us during this radio broadcast that you would open the minds and the hearts of your people uh, to receive the great gift of your Son anew. All of this we ask through the same Christ, our Lord. Amen. Holy Mary, our hope, seat of wisdom. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. One of the things I wanted to open up with, Archbishop, is in this season of Advent and now into Christmas, just the ways that different cultures mm. recognize and prepare for the time of the Feast of Christmas. I know it was several years ago that during this time of December, I was in Mexico City. Mm. And so to watch the people of Mexico at the Shrine of Our Lady of Guadalupe, uh, yes. to actually be there and to see some of the celebration of the Posadas and the different processions with Our Lady of Guadalupe. But we have so many beautiful cultures here in the Archdiocese of Portland, and I know that you've been able to interact with so many communities, but let's just start off with Our Lady of Guadalupe, celebrated on the 12th of December. It happened to fall on a Sunday for yeah, us liturgically, it was, it was, it so, was nice. <laughs> which is, we had a bonus. We, it was, had, well, yeah, it was, we, we could sometimes was, miss it, but we can't miss Our Lady of Guadalupe. No, 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 not at all. And, and uh, yes, I always... Uh, I've made it a goal, at least, to each year celebrate the feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe with one of the uh, Mexican-slash-Latino communities here in the archdiocese, and because um, I'd like to spend that time with them. <laughs> and because, uh, I mean, St. John Paul II proclaimed uh, Our Lady of Guadalupe is the patroness of all the Americas, yeah. both you know North, Central, and South, and the star of the new evangelization. So she is for all of us. But you know, you can't deny that for the Mexican people, especially, uh, she is a, a very special patroness and and mother. Uh, so I always try to celebrate with one of our significant Hispanic communities here uh, in the archdiocese. I'm, I think twice I've celebrated in Salem. Uh, at the at the pavilion there, which is a huge mm-hmm. celebration. I think somebody said that you know five to six thousand mm-hmm. people come. And I've celebrated uh, uh, at St. Anne's in Gresham one year, but you know for for uh, three years I was trying to get to uh, 
uh, or two years, I should say, I was trying to get to uh, St. Alexander's in Cornelius, you know, out on the uh, west side, uh, both uh, in, in Cornelius and beyond Forest Grove and out that way, there's a very significant and large and thriving faith-filled uh, Hispanic community there. And so I, I wanted to uh, celebrate with them. Well, in 2019, I was supposed to be there, which was pre-pandemic. Uh, but then uh, due to my sister's surgery, which I thought would be over with and I'd be able to get out there in time, unfortunately, there were complications and I wasn't able to and I had to cancel at the last minute. Uh, having given Father David Schifferl the pastor a heads up that that might happen, and it, sadly it did. Then last year yeah. it was the pandemic and we couldn't do it, but this year uh, we did it, mm-hmm. and I was able to get out there, and it was a wonderful celebration. And they have this wonderful tradition out there of doing a pilgrimage walk prior to uh, one of the masses, their kind of their principal mass of the celebration. So they start at St. Anthony's in Forest Grove, uh, and they walk, it's about 2.6 miles from church to church. So they walk from, from uh, St. Anthony's in Forest Grove to St. Alexander's in Cornelius. And, oh my gosh, I, I, I don't know how many, it, it looked like there were close to 100 people mm-hmm. walking. And I was able to walk with them this year. And I, Father David, uh, the pastor at, at Cornelius said, you know, well, does the Archbishop want to, you know, walk in the procession? I said, oh, I'd love to. Absolutely. I, I mean, I just love these kinds of devotions. So it was so beautiful. So we gathered with the people in Forest Grove, um, and uh, and I didn't, I just walked in the midst of them. Uh, mm-hmm. No no fuss. I just walked right along with them. You know, Pope Francis always says, you know, the, the shepherd needs to sometimes just be in the midst of, mm-hmm. of the flock, you know, and, and so that's the way I felt. But it was so beautiful that so many of the, of the participants were dressed in the in the traditional uh, dress of, of of their region. They were praying and singing, praying the rosary, uh, scriptural reflections as we walked. A bull, I think the bullhorn was going <laughs> pretty much the whole way, uh, and it took us. Gosh, it took us about an hour and a half. Uh, but it was so wonderful. It rained a little bit. It was funny because. It was sprinkled here and there along the way, but nothing that would give you any kind of a, a pause. But then right as we got close to St. Alexander's and Cornelius, it really started coming down. <laughs> I have to say my, my hat and my coat were pretty soaked by the time we got in for Mass. But, and then we just had this tremendous, beautiful celebration in the church. But, you know, the, the, the Our Lady of Guadalupe... I think most people realize, you know, by the, the, the symbolism in the image that she left on the tilma of San Juan Diego, uh, it's clear that she is with child. Mm-hmm. And that's so beautiful. I and mean, it's, it's so neat that this feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe, the image in which she is pregnant with the Christ child, comes to us during Advent as we're preparing to welcome Jesus. So I think it's a... Uh, uh, in many ways, it's a very Christmassy, Adventy, if I can mm-hmm. <laughs> make up words, a feast, because she is with child uh, in, in that image of Our Lady of Guadalupe, and and so and she's the patroness of the unborn. Mm-hmm. Really, you know, I'm I'm on the board uh, of directors of the the shrine of Our Lady of Guadalupe in La Crosse, Wisconsin, which I think I've made reference to before right. on the show, folks. If you ever ever have any chance to get to this shrine, you need to go. This is one of the most beautiful shrines I have ever seen. It's a magnificent place. It's in La Crosse, Wisconsin, yeah. to Our Lady of Guadalupe. It was the inspiration of Cardinal Raymond Burke. 
But there uh, on the grounds is a, is a monument to the unborn. Uh, and it's a beautiful thing. Uh, it's, it's an image of Our Lady of Guadalupe actually seated. I mean, it's, it's, like, mm. it's like the image in, in the tilma, but now here she is in that image seated and holding what would be an unborn child you know, in her arms of that size. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it's, she is the patroness of the unborn. Yeah. And there, there's a mausoleum very close by to that monument uh, where people who have had miscarriages can inter the remains of, the, of their children. Uh, it's just a beautiful, beautiful thing. So yes, so the celebration of Our Lady Guadalupe is, is, is just a great tradition at this time, a holy time of the year. Absolutely. It just is so joyful. And I know where I was at to see the decorations and all of the flowers. And it looked like you were walking up Tepeyac Hill in one of the churches <laughs> I was at. Just there is such a beautiful devotion. I know also the Filipino community right. have their uh, devotion. They have a particular novena. And with the uh, cathedral this weekend, this past week, or a couple weekends ago. Right, then. right. You know, this is uh, this has become uh, sort of a, one of the little annual traditions I do with the Filipino Filipino community is to celebrate the the commissioning of the of the leaders, if you will, of this of this novena uh, of masses. It's the it's a novena of masses building up to Christmas called the Simbanga B. It's a very traditional Filipino custom uh, to prepare for Christmas with with nine days novena, hence the name novena of masses, building up, of course, to the to the masses of Christmas. And it's it's a beautiful way of preparing for the coming. Uh, of the light of Christ, so uh, I, it's become kind of a tradition that I commission the the leaders because they they they're from different communities throughout uh, our archdiocese. Mm-hmm. They're from the metro area, but also Salem, Eugene, but they're different Filipino groups across the archdiocese. They come together uh, and they are represented in the procession, uh, each carrying. They have these beautiful lanterns called paroles, and uh, they're beautiful like star. Uh, white star-shaped lanterns that are very beautifully decorated. And it's this idea of bringing the light of Christ and that the the novena is to guide people to Christ, to the true light. In fact, one of the Filipino priests before Mass was telling me that the way these might be displayed in in people's yards and homes is is a sort of way of a a pathway, Mm -hmm. providing a pathway to the church where the celebration of, of Christ will take place. So it's, it's, uh, it's really the idea of witnessing by, to the light of Christ coming into the world. So we commission the leaders from these different communities and areas of the archdiocese, and the paroles are in the, in the procession, and then they are taken back to their communities. And uh, yes, so they, uh, they, then they begin after that, uh, some days after that, uh, the, the nine days of Masses. So another beautiful cultural tradition. And I'm sure there are other, uh, right. other cultural traditions that different ethnic groups in our archdiocese celebrate as well. Uh, that I've not had the privilege of being a part of, but uh, these two uh, are, are two in particular that are very become very dear to me. Absolutely. And then we have uh, what's known as the O Antiphons, so that countdown of those final few days before we get to the day before Christmas Eve are these uh, recognitions in our liturgy and our is it the evening prayer typically where we hear the uh, O Wisdom, right. O Adonai, the different recollections of our right. Lord's name? The, the, o, the O Antiphons uh, begin on December 17th. So, you know, we're, we're, we're well into them now. And uh, when the, the O Antiphons begin, uh, it marks this, a, a, a very definite shift mm-hmm. in the church's liturgy and prayer. 
in terms of which coming of Christ we're preparing for. You see, I think people don't often realize, but if they're paying attention to the prayers of the Mass, especially earlier in Advent, uh, it's it's not only is it uh, ambiguous as to which uh, pre- preparation of Christ were coming, his first or his second, in the early days of Advent, it's, we're clearly preparing for a second coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so Advent, we're preparing for the coming of Christ, but in the Church's liturgy, there are both comings that we're getting ready for. We're, we've been, we're getting ready for the first coming, to celebrate the first coming of Christ as, as the child of Bethlehem, but we're also preparing for his second coming in glory at the end of the world. Uh, and earlier in Advent, there's, there's either uh, a, a great emphasis on his second coming or there's a, a, a dual um, reference to the, which coming we're preparing for. December 17th and the beginning of the O Antiphons marks a significant shift. Now it's clear we are preparing ourselves more immediately to celebrate Christmas, to celebrate the birth of Christ uh, when, when, when the Son of God came into the world. And so these O Antiphons are, are, are sung in the church. We hear them twice. Primarily they're from the evening office, Vespers of the church there are the antiphons that, that go along with the Magnificat, which we pray every evening at Vespers. You know, my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord, Mary's canticle of praise after the greeting of Elizabeth. And so the antiphon that goes with the, the singing of the Magnificat on those days uh, contains these, these references to Christ from the Old Testament. We know them from uh, the Advent hymn, O Come, O Come, mm-hmm. Emmanuel. We sing them, O come, O come, Emmanuel, O come, thou wisdom from on high, O come, O key of David, come. You know, uh, so, so these are all scriptural references to the Christ and how he is called, if you will, and prophesied in the Old Testament. We also hear them, though, during the Mass, during the Alleluia, uh, the verse of the Alleluia during Mass, not as sometimes as clearly, but, 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 but they're there. Yes, so, so the O Antiphons, uh, begin that, that, that more immediate shift toward right. celebrating Christmas and, and, and away from the idea now that we're preparing for his second coming. Right, right. And Archbishop, we've had, and we're continuing to hold on to that Advent season, and I keep reminding oh. myself and others, this is a season of preparation, these four weeks, which is not Christmas, No. and then there is a season mm. of Christmas, yeah. but this sense of coming and, okay, how do I prepare for the birth of Christ, but also, as you mentioned, Christ is coming again. We believe that. If we mm-hmm. believe who Jesus Christ is and what he says, we believe that his coming will come, and we're either going to be with the sheep or the goats. All right. Um, but then he's also coming, I mean, every day do we All receive right. that encounter or potential encounter with Christ? There's actually, I, I like to talk, I used to speak of three comings, and I used to preach about that, usually on the first Sunday of Advent. Uh, you know, we're preparing for his coming again in glory at the end of time. And he is coming again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and if we, if, if this isn't just some made up teaching of the church, Jesus speaks about it often in the Gospels. Uh, he speaks himself about his second coming. He speaks about being prepared, for you know right. not the day or the hour when the Son of Man will come. Uh, so we are preparing for that. We do prepare to welcome him as the child of Bethlehem and to remember his first coming among us in, in weakness and poverty. Uh, he, he came first in weakness, in human form, in poverty, uh, but he, when he comes again, he will come again in glory. Then I, you know, we speak of that, as you say, this, this third coming, Jesus comes to us every day more deeply, but especially during Advent, 
We can use this as a time to welcome Christ more deeply into our hearts, into our families, into our homes, that we really are, are welcoming him, deepening uh, his presence in our life, because uh, he comes whenever we call upon him. Uh, he's always with us. But when we call upon him and we ask him to come and, and come more deeply and more powerfully and with greater grace and light in, into our lives, uh, he can come every day. So I always like to I always like to try to do Advent well so that when Christmas Day comes, or for me the big deal is Midnight Mass mm-hmm. at the cathedral, when that celebration of Midnight Mass comes and I have prepared well during Advent, there is such a joy that fills my heart. I, I, I feel Christ's presence so strongly. And even though uh, this program is airing for the first time uh, on Tuesday evening uh, before Christmas, which will be this Saturday, it's not too late, people. Mm-hmm. If you've not had a great Advent, hey, a few days of good, solid spiritual preparation is better than nothing. Uh, so it's never too late, mm-hmm. uh, but, but prepare yourself to really receive the Lord. But of course, the forthcoming is when how Jesus comes to us at every Mass. Mm-hmm. You know, the same body, blood, soul, and divinity that dwelt in the womb of the Virgin Mary is on the altar mm-hmm. in the gift of the Holy Eucharist. You know, we, we think about the, the virgin birth of Jesus and what a miracle that was, that by the power and overshadowing of the Holy Spirit that came upon Mary that she conceived the Son of God in her womb and gave to him human flesh, a human nature, uh, without the intervention of a human father. That's a miracle. I mean, it is. It's it is <laughs> it's miraculous by God's doing. But there's a miracle that happens at every Mass. And it's, in, in some ways, it's no less of an awesome miracle that under the appearance of bread and wine, Jesus comes to us again, hidden under those appearances, but nevertheless truly present. You know, and I think people, I would want us all to know and reflect and remember that when Jesus comes to us in the Holy Eucharist at Mass, he is just as present in the Eucharist, on the altar, in the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, in Holy Communion, as he was laying in the manger on Christmas Day. Uh, this, is, this is our Eucharistic faith. This is, and this is what should amaze us. Mm-hmm. I mean, who would not give anything to be in the stable in Bethlehem or the cave or whatever, whatever it was uh, with the shepherds? adoring the Son of God, made flesh, born of the Virgin, laying in a manger. Who would not give anything to be there, right? But at every Mass, he is there, and in a different way, but a true presence. And this is, again, as we talked about last week in our program about Eucharistic revival, this is our Eucharistic faith. That Jesus Christ, his body, his true body, his true blood, his human soul, and his divinity, his, his nature as God, is truly present in the Eucharist. It's not just a symbol. He's there. Mm-hmm. 
That's why we genuflect. That's why we adore. And so just as we would adore and be awestruck by gazing into the face of the Christ child, the Son of God in human form, we should gaze with equal amazement at the host Mm -hmm. in which is contained the same Christ who truly came. Uh, So that's sort of the forthcoming I I like to think about and reflect on. Yeah. During the entire season of Advent, other than a holy day of obligation, such as the Feast of the Immaculate Conception, we refrain from the Gloria, and we don't sing or say the Gloria in Mass until you talked about Midnight Mass. Right. And we join with the angels. We join the amazement of those crazy shepherds who are the first ones to hear the message. And I think, you know, how can we really embrace and learn from the angels learn from the shepherds learn about the power of that song that we join in at every mass glory to god in the highest i pray that takes new life in our hearts when we pray and sing that song and that prayer at holy mass yeah it's the song of praise of the angels uh you know of course the the glory has developed further uh than than those initial words but the scriptures you know when the when the angels, I mean, you know, the angels are just rejoicing in heaven, you know, uh, and and I'm sure surrounding that crib uh, in in the stable. But then 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 the angels have to announce the good news. They can't keep it; it's mm-hmm. a secret. It's it has to be proclaimed. And and who who do the angels go to? That's <laughs> I mean, isn't that fascinating? Really, when you think about it, I think about how Our Lady. When she appears in her apparitions over the centuries, you know, she never goes to the bishop. She never goes to the priests. <laughs> right. She goes to children, mm-hmm. little ones, or humble ones, you know, St. Juan, Juan Diego, Diego. Mm-hmm. the children of Fatima, St. Bernadette, Subaru. You know, so who do the angels go to to announce the birth of the Christ, this Messiah, the Son of God made flesh, to the chief priests in the temple, to the Pharisees, the scribes, to King Herod? Mm hmm. No, the angels go to shepherds, keeping watch by night over their flocks, the humble of the earth, uh, and announce to them, you know, the behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, uh, which is to be for all the people. For today in the city of David is born unto you a savior who is Christ the Lord. And, and, you know, he's, he will be found wrapped in swaddling clothes and, and lying in a manger. And then, you know, the, the, the gospel says, and then there suddenly, you know, there, there filled the heavens, the voice of the holy heavenly angels crying out, singing, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to people of goodwill. Uh, so as you say, uh, Dina Marie, when we sing the glory at Mass, especially that Christmas Gloria, you know, if we've been uh, fasting, if you will, abstaining from the Gloria all during Advent, why? Well, there's a little bit of a penitential character to Advent. That's why we wear purple. Uh, purple isn't, you know, just because it's a pretty color <laughs> mm-hmm. to wear uh, at this time of the year. It's a penitential color. And it means that we've been in a little bit of a penitential season of abstinence and, and, and fasting to some degree, not as severe as Lent, but, you know, it does have that penitential character of preparation. When we're preparing for something important, big, we, 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 we prepare by fasting and prayer. Well, 
you know, the uh, the the coming then of 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 the Messiah brings great joy. So we fasted from the glorious, so that when we sing it at the first time at Christmas Eve Mass or Midnight Mass, wow, you know, we realize we've joined with the angels and all the choirs of heaven to sing the praises of God, and may it may it be so, uh, not just on Christmas Day, but 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 every day that that we rejoice in the great gift, the greatest gift ever given. Uh, the gift of God himself mm-hmm. to his to his people. Mm-hmm. You know, as we come to this time of Christmas, and, and as I mentioned last week, the priests, we have Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, oh. and then the next day is Sunday, right. the Feast of the Holy Family. Typically, we'd have a week to enjoy some of the octave of right, Christmas. Right. Um, but don't miss out on any part of the celebration. And just as we come to a close, just really your your hope, your prayer. We're all in difficult situations here and there. We all have challenges, but we all have the real joy if we know and believe in Jesus Christ. That should help us through any difficulty that we may encounter. Yeah. Before I pray, you know, final blessing over everyone, I, I just want you all to know, uh, first of all, how much I love you. Uh, I, I really want you to hear that from my heart as your spiritual father in this archdiocese and even our friends north of the river in, in Washington. Uh, I do love you. Uh, and what I want for you more than anything else at this Christmas time and really every day is that you really do come into that life-giving and transformative encounter with Jesus Christ. He came that we might have life and have it to the full, you know, Uh, be filled with hope. Jesus changes everything. And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit come down upon all of you, your families, your loved ones, and be with you this day and forever. Amen. And thank you all for joining us on this edition of The Voice of the Shepherd. We look forward to sharing with you again next week. For Archbishop Alexander Sample, I'm Dina Marie Hale. And until our next encounter, may you have a blessed week and may you have a very blessed Christmas. You've been listening to The Voice of the Shepherd with Archbishop Alexander Sample, a production of the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon. To subscribe to this podcast and access to all of our past shows, visit moderndayradio.com. Please email your comments and questions for the show to info at archdpdx.org. Learn more about the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon online at archdpdx.org. Peace be with you.